It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1004 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, August the 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure to find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. You can subscribe, follow whatever the app of choice is, uh, the, the, whatever, whatever it asks you to do to follow the podcast you like. Please go ahead and do that. Also, tell a friend. That is still the way I think most people find out about podcasts. So tell a friend about the podcast. If they are a Raptors fan looking for a 30-minute reprieve from the world every single day, they can find it here. Please go tell a pal. Also, uh, just a reminder, on Monday, the podcast is starting on YouTube. We will be doing video simulcasts. It's not really a simulcast. We'll just have it on video and in audio form as well. So you can look at my beautiful face and my guests' faces as well. And uh, you can there's just a lot of options for you. So that's going to be fun. The first episode on Monday will, as promised, be with Leonard Hamilton, the head coach of Florida State. Uh, he'll be talking all about Scotty Barnes and his one year with the Seminoles. And that'll be a ton of fun. So get subscribed and all that. The link is in my pinned tweet at the moment. All right, on today's show, we are going to talk a little bit about Summer League off the top before continuing Kyle Lowry week with a look at his two sort of, I don't know how we describe these, the most adaptable years of his career. They were also the most successful, where the Raptors won a ton of games over two seasons and won uh, a title in the second one that we're going to talk about. So going to be a fun chat. Uh, we'll finish off with 2019-20 and then the following sort of COVID-interrupted season uh, on tomorrow's podcast uh, with the same guest that we have here today. Joining the show, of course, is Katie Heindel, our wonderful feelings correspondent, our uh, you know regular guest here, and apparently Summer League correspondent as well. You're down in Vegas, Katie. Uh, how's, how's Vegas treating you and how are you? Um, can I, I'll paint you a little picture, Sean. Sure. Well, first, we should be totally transparent that I slept through our initial... <laughs> time to record today as um, i think i i think i'd be upset with you if you didn't actually you, you wouldn't be so doing proud. vegas correct yeah. if you're waking up at 9 a.m local time so i do not begrudge you at all mm-hmm. yeah well we're here now we're, we're, we're regrouping um mm-hmm. the mini fridge in my room is so cold that i buy like green juices fruit uh-huh. yogurt cups whatever from cvs to sustain myself for the week but it freezes mm-hmm. them but it's so hot outside right now that i'm they're sitting in the window ledge of my hotel room to thaw. <laughs> i feel like for some reason this encapsulates pretty well my biggest experience well that sounds lovely katie uh Get i hope you're enjoying your frozen out. oranges yeah <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a lovely hot summer treat uh-huh. uh 
Yeah, Katie. So let's talk summer league. You were at the game last night. You've been down there in Vegas all week long. Uh, the Raptors, of course, lose to the Golden State Warriors by a score of which I do not care. Uh, <laughs> you know, the big stories, obviously, Scotty Barnes remains a storyline. Precious Achua made his first appearance with the Raptors as well. Looked pretty damn mm-hmm. good. Uh, what were your overall impressions, Katie? You were there in the muck watching the game. What was your big takeaway? I was. I was. Uh, I was sitting with a notable Warriors fan, so it was interesting <laughs> to go. To watch the game, but it was one of those games where I think that everything seems too quiet until you take a look at the numbers that guys are putting up. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, sure. this is a thing that I think was pretty evident in the first game too. Like Scotty Barnes, it's not, I think we want him to look so explosive all mm-hmm. at once right away. And he doesn't, but that's fine because he's also not the kind of player I think that uh, summer league is for in that way. Yeah. Like he's yeah. not just going to put up a hundred points each game, which is like, that's mm-hmm. a summer league player. He's there to develop, like get in game reps, you know, and like learn that kind of versatility. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that he said that precious said in his uh, avail post game, that Delano said in his avail post game too, just that, which I think really stuck with me. They hit so much on versatility. Precious mm-hmm. especially was saying how excited he was to be with a team like Toronto where he can work on that and basically become yeah. I don't think he's a, he was a one-dimensional player in Miami, but I don't think the focus was necessarily on him trying to do a little bit of everything. Sure. And like the, that's the one thing that these guys keep hitting on anytime I've talked to them this week or been around them is like they want so badly to expand their skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, and they seem like really up for the challenge. And like you got a whole, I mean, there's a whole factor that like everyone physically looks the same. So they yep. definitely have like the length, <laughs> you know, and physicality and ability to do that kind of stuff. But I think it's really exciting. Like, for one, they all just seem, they're like the nicest group of guys. They like each other so much. They're just so mm-hmm. happy and excited. So I'm kind of willing to take a little bit of in-game adjustment. Like, I don't know, based on the last two games, and then they play a game later today, I don't know how, if they're going to be like the winningest summer league team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but once again, I don't think that's what this is for for them. No, I, I think if you're like rooting for winning, then, you know, Malachi Flynn is kind of the avenue to that because he's like the adult in the room in a lot of ways. And I think we saw in the first game against the Knicks when he's playing really well and kind of has his finger on the pulse of the whole thing. Yeah, they're probably going to be very organized and, and look quite good and win in the process of expanding their repertoires uh, without a good Malachi Flynn, which they did not really have in the game against the Warriors last night. It is just sort of this collection of dudes flying around being uh, weird. And I say that with the most possible affection. It's an exceptionally bizarre collection of players to watch. I don't know what it is that I'm watching when I see Delano Banton, like grab 12 rebounds and then sprint up the floor with the ball in his hands. I'm not really sure I was ready for Precious Achua in transition, just like Euro-stepping his way into buckets or missed buckets. Uh, It's just a very, very strange mix, and I think it's like what you want at a Vegas Summer League, I think, really. It's it's, it's beautiful. Um, Precious, I think, is kind of the guy you come away with with the biggest impression of last night. 13 points, 11 boards, 5 of 10 from the field. Uh, Were you prepared? I mean, I I remember watching him a little bit with the Heat this season. He didn't play a ton, I guess, down the stretch of the season, so maybe you forget. But uh, did you recall Precious being like a freak athlete who runs like a guard and uh, looks like he's going to be like a wonderful vertical threat as a center? He was very, very impressive, Katie. And my sort of overarching takeaway is the Raptors development staff is going to have a ton of fun with this guy. 
Yeah, I did not. No, I did not anticipate that, especially right off the bat like that. You know, you figure there's Mm got to be some even in a summer league game, there's got to be some acclimatization. Um, But he came in just like ready to rip, Mm -hmm. which I appreciated. Um, I think I don't know. I think it's cool. They've kind of got this like spoil of riches in terms of like what they like what the development team like staff rather can work with, like Mm -hmm. the guys that they can work with on this team and the things that they want to unlock with them. I think that I will also say is like precious in, in getting like to talk to him for the first time. Mm-hmm. He is so like, he's very, he seems like quite an introspective player, but like mm-hmm. very thoughtful. Um, and I thought it was just like, it struck me as pretty impressive to be thinking like that. Like when, when you're thrown into a team like that to it's mm-hmm. in Vegas <laughs> at summer league, you know, and like that was something he said too. He was like, he didn't get his summer league last year. You know, the thing that like right. most all rookies are going through to chat, like I've been able to chat with some of them about it. And sure. a, a, a part of me thought, well, you know, you get through like one full NBA season. Would you really, would you really miss summer league? You know, but you know, it turns out a lot of these guys use it as an opportunity to really reconcile a different kind of development and growth in their game. Sure. Um, but I think him coming in from like getting reps with the heat, uh, in the real regular season and now getting this crash course with chem- like building chemistry and kind of clicking with the Raptors group is going to, is only going to mean that once the regular season actually rolls around, these guys have mm-hmm. had like almost a bonus training camp sure. you know, like under their belts. Um, but he's also just very funny. He seems like a chiller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, it is kind of wild. The number of guys who are getting time here that are, probably going to be on the team mm-hmm. like usually it's like maybe one or two but there's like four or five you bring utah in maybe six guys who are going to have roster spots on this team if ish wainwright can stick around mm-hmm. um you know champagne's already got the two-way you've got banton flynn david johnson's got the two-way like they're like, gillespie's hanging around had a nice game last night defensively in particular uh it's just like a lot of guys who this can't be bad for sort of the gelling going into the season and really does feel like the team's about to get a real infusion of vibes at a very important time after the vibes were very yes. much sapped last season. You lose Kyle Lowry. Um, it seems like Barnes, Achua, Banton, like they all kind of bring a little bit of charm to the mix, which I think is going to be very welcome in these parts this year. Um, Katie, any last parting shots on summer league before we uh, get into Kyle Lowry reminiscing? Um, no, no. I'm looking forward to getting some sleep again. <laughs> when i get out of here yeah um no i will say it's a little bit weird obviously with the pandemic and just in terms of like even getting around in summer league and talking like being able to talk with players sure. um a part of like the casual kind of like the casual pull asides and running into people is gone a bit out of necessity yeah. but i will say it's almost made it even weirder which i am really enjoying yeah yeah I, I, yesterday no one- I almost opened a full, like a, there's this one area where you have to go down 10 flights of stairs into like a sub basement mm-hmm. to like get into a makeshift media room. Sure. Uh, and I almost opened like an industrial fire door on, I will say half the wizard's summer league roster. <clears throat> I also almost um, body check Brad Stevens. He's not that tall. You could have taken him. Uh, <laughs> you should have leaned into that one, Katie. Um <laughs> 
yeah, that th- it sounds delightfully weird, which is right up your wheelhouse. I'm sure. Uh, glad you're having a good time. Hope you're staying safe. I uh, will leave the summer league talk for now. Uh, my last parting shot is 12 free throw attempts for Scotty Barnes. That's quite good. Uh, it seemed that was an encouraging thing last night on a night where he didn't shoot so hot. Um, anyway, that's my Scotty Barnes take for the day. We'll continue on here, Katie, and dive into Kyle Lowry and the adaptation years, as I am apparently calling them, 2017-18 and 2018-19. Of course, we covered up until his re-signing with the team at the end of 2017 on yesterday's podcast with Joe Wolfond, and we will talk about the two years that lead to the title for Kyle Lowry in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about a new sponsor today on the show, and they are maybe the sponsor we've had that is most suited towards my needs. And yes, this might be gross, but that's fine. Sweat block is here to make it not gross for you to be an excessive sweater. Like it's a wonderful thing. They there are lots of things that aren't very fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. But with sweat block, that is no longer a problem. When I speak in public, I can't help but sweat through my shirt, for example. I have to carefully plot which shirts I'm going to wear. It's not very pleasant, but it's still, it's very annoying. It's not life and death, but it is certainly something that you you could do better without having to deal with. Nobody likes to pit out during a speech or interview or for God forbid, a first date. You'd much rather not worry about it. And that's why I use Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes, baby. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed, and the next morning you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. I know this sounds too good to be true. I have tried all of the clinical deodorants and I find this stuff hard to believe, but you literally only have to use sweat, sweat block once or twice a week and it keeps you dry the whole time. No more pitting out. I can finally wear orange shirts again. I like orange, but it doesn't really go well when you're a sweaty person. If you or someone you love is dealing with this very problem, you have to check out sweat block. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on all one word or at Amazon and CBS that's sweatblock.com promo code locked on. Today's show is also brought to you by our pals over at rockauto.com who are making it easier to go to the mechanic and not get fleeced by those mechanics who are trying to charge you full freight for the parts that you need. For example, if you were to go to a chain store and say, hey, I need a Honda Odyssey fuel pump, the mechanic would probably say that's going to cost you on average of $353 for that part. If you go to rockauto.com and look for the exact same part, you're going to get it for like 216 bucks on average. That is incredible value. And it's obviously the place you should be going to get your car parts now. Rock Auto is a family business. They've been doing it for 20 years and prices are reliably low for every customer. You don't just get good prices, you get options. You can type into their very easy to use website, the make model year of your car, and then you can pick through multiple selections for the parts you need as opposed to just one that you're stuck with at the mechanic. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Bucks? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Katie, we continue Kyle Lowry week here on the podcast, and uh, we're going to talk about 2017-18 here in this segment, a season where Lowry kind of goes through a transformation. He comes back to the team. He re-signs for three years, $100 million, and the team is very clearly at a crossroads. They need to try to do something different. They've just lost once again to the Cavaliers in the playoffs. And they're, you know, kind of searching for answers. And all of a sudden you hear talks about the culture reset and the change in the Raptors offense and adopting more of a sort of motion style offense, not so much reliant on ISOs and pick and roll and nothing else. And this, of course, coincides with Kyle Lowry kind of taking a step back in responsibility. He'd been like the main guy running the show for a long time. And in order to make it work, 
they kind of had to have DeMar DeRozan on the ball more often just because he's not so threatening off the ball, whereas Kyle Lowry is. There was also the concern of keeping Kyle Lowry fresh after breaking down a couple times in previous years. His minutes come down quite a bit, and he ends up averaging just 16.2 points, 5.6 boards, and seven assists on the season. Shoots 40% from three, as you might expect. But it is sort of a, a less loud and impactful season, even though he does, you know, make the the All Star team and they win a ton of games. Like they won fifty nine games this season. I shouldn't say less impactful. It's like just less loud on the stat sheet. But Katie, uh, this season to me is the beginning of this sort of later era of Kyle, where it's not so much just him going full bore all the time and doing everything he can at all times. It's sort of him picking his spots, it's being adaptable, kind of realizing what the team needs from him as opposed to feeling like he needs to be everything for the team. And I think it ultimately results in a sort of better, more well-rounded player who's more equipped to drive winning at the highest level. Uh, What are your sort of memories of the 17-18 season, Katie? Again, kind of a a lesser season statistically, but still very Kyle Lowry nonetheless. Um, These were tough seasons. (laughs) You know, like... You cut out, out, you cut out there. Oh, I said they yeah. were tough seasons. Um, yeah. They, I mean, the, we can only say this because it's full hindsight, but I feel like they were a precursor. They were like building up to a precursor or something, especially when you just said that like Kyle Lowry had to step back mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like who had the most responsibility on the floor. Obviously that's something that would come into like real fruition much later when Jamar left. Mm-hmm. Well, was traded, not left. Uh, and Kawhi came. And I think in a lot of ways, these seasons were probably extremely crucial in priming Larry to be able to do that later. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was also, like, I really liked these iterations of the Raptors, you know, as frustrating and as heartbreaking as they could be, because there was a sense of just constantly chipping away at something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, um, whether that was through like disappointing playoff runs uh, or just like, the the regular season record improving little by little mm-hmm. you know season over season um which are all boring things i guess for most people in the grand <laughs> scheme of fandom and liking a basketball team but i think you have to put in like that kind of foundational legwork you know to be able to actually take off when the opportunity arises yeah it's you know, there was all the important sort of groundwork that you're talking about. And it also, you know, the whole story of Lowry and him getting to lift the title at the end of 1819 and, you know, have that moment where he's never to be questioned again. Like everything that comes before it is part of why that's such a satisfying story. Right. And I think the fact that he did sort of scale back after what was, as we talked about yesterday in 2016, 17, the year where they make the trades for Serge Ibaka and PJ Tucker and, they get swept in the second round by the Cavs after beating the Bucks. You know, that is the best Kyle Lowry's ever been. As we talked about those first 60, 60 games before he gets hurt, he is unbelievable and is in line for all NBA teams. And, you know, is probably like a top 10 player in the league at that point, just sort of driving winning. He was incredible. And he goes right on the heels of that season into, okay, I'm just going to take a step back here and DeMar is going to cook and we're going to win 59 games as a result, but I'm not going to have to do every little bit of it. And I think he, you know, it is just sort of that adaptable nature that I think we see, you know, the next three, like 17, 18, 18, 19, of course, the title season with Kawhi and then 19, 20, the title defense season. Those are three very distinct 
versions of Kyle Lowry. And those I think are as telling of what a great player he is as the ones where he puts up 23 points a game and is kind of leading the show for the Raptors. You know, 17-18, of course, that season ends up with another series loss to the Cavaliers in the second round. They get swept, and it is the most depressing of the sweeps. You have the the awful, you know, missed tip-ins at the start, uh, at the end of game one. You have the heartbreaking game three with OG hitting the or the game-tying shot, and then LeBron hitting the thing off glass over OG at the buzzer. Um, Kyle's very good in most of these playoffs as well, kind of putting to bed a lot of those old Kyle's bad in the playoff sentiments. Um, Do you have any sort of standout memories from that year, Katie? And do you think this one is maybe a little bit sort of lost to history in terms of like the overall sort of excellence of his year, because it ended in such a upsetting and crushing way at the hands of the Cavs team that everybody thought the Raptors actually stood a chance of beating this time around. I mean, that's just like, how hope works right against all odds you're like this time will be different Um, and I think there was probably a reason to think about it when you look it's so crazy to like look at this roster and now know that they didn't know that they were one year away from everything you know yeah yeah Um, especially when you think that like Serge had got there as you mentioned the season before Um, like JV was still on this team Mm -hmm. you know DeLon was still on this team Portal um cj miles <laughs> yeah <laughs> like this was a it was kind of like a waste i guess it was like a way station team i think that's how it will go down in history you know this was kind mm-hmm. of the team just hanging in the balance and it becoming pretty explicit i don't think they if they didn't have that kind of crushing defeat again yeah. i really don't think the front office would have been as aggressive um in making an off-season move to to change everything that the team was also primed for, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it, it wasn't like they finished like first in the Eastern conference. Yeah. They were like a 59, 23, like win record. Like this was a good team, but like you yeah. look at this really good team, um, just not being able to make it past one LeBron, but two, I think just like not having that extra little bit of, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, the, the kind of magic that's required to win a mm-hmm. title that we now understand. You look at this roster and you understand why it couldn't happen. We wanted it so badly to happen because we wanted to feel like, yeah, you know, and as an underdog team with not a lot of like traditional quote star power, you want to think that it would be enough, but it wasn't quite, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I there were the sort of, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, I don't think, I this like this team and the team the season before again. I really liked both of these these rosters, and they. I think the also the important thing is like they really liked each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the vibes on in seventeen eighteen were incredible. You had the bench mob, which was Mm -hmm. like it's like traveling sensation where for the first (laughs) time ever the Raptors had found a way to survive without Kyle having to be on the floor at the start of second and fourth quarters with bench guys. And that was obviously key to him, you know, getting a lower minutes load and, and, you know, staying fresher for the postseason. Um, you know, you have some really signature wins that Cleveland game where they beat him by like 34 on national TV and Fred goes off. Like that was incredible. You have the, the bucks game where DeMar in overtime has the 52. Like this was a season where a lot of the big performances were not from, Kyle Lowry and he didn't really have to do the Kyle Lowry FU thing all the time. I'm looking at the game log here. 
He had the one game in Minnesota. And I, I remember I was at the Falls View Casino in Niagara Falls watching Kyle Lowry put 40 on Minnesota's heads. And that was a delight. Uh, he had two other games of 30 points or more 36 against Charlotte once and then 30 against Houston once. And then the rest of it's just like pretty chill, like not crazy scoring outputs, kind of seeding the floor to DeMar. And that season really is about the guys not named Kyle having those moments. You have, you know, the Jonas dunk uh, on John Henson in that crazy uh, other crazy bucks game. You've got, the Damar dunk against uh, on Anthony Tolliver in that Pistons game and Lowry just kind of being happy for everybody in the process. Like that might be the season where they're the most Getty images of Kyle just like smiling because his teammates did something awesome. It was really cool. And actually, if you look at the sort of top scoring games for Kyle this season as well, they're kind of like 500 when he had to be like the go-to scoring option. It really was like a very egalitarian team. It kind of was spread around and it was, I think, good for Kyle to not have to do everything because he could kind of put his fingers in all the pots he likes to be in without having to really be the be-all and end-all for the offense. It was really beautiful. Um, of course, it ends terribly. They lose and get swept again, and you're looking at questions of, well, Kyle's not going anywhere because they just re-signed him. DeMar uh, didn't seem like he was going anywhere because you know what were you going to be able to get for him? You're not going to get Kawhi Leonard for DeMar DeRozan, are you? Uh, you get the Dwayne Casey firing, of course, and the long coaching search and the uncertainty there. It was a pretty strange time of upheaval. We're going to dig into that offseason, Katie, and then, of course, the championship season to follow in just one second. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit as well. That means if you put in 100 bucks, you get 150 to play with off the top. That's a great deal. Just use the promo code locked on all one word at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, Katie. So the 2017-18 season ends, and the Raptors are in a bit of a crossroads situation. They fired Dwayne Casey, they hired Nick Nurse, and then in July, they trade for Kawhi. Leonard, and this could have said things very much down the tubes vibes wise on this team. Of course, we know Kyle and Demar very good friends. Uh, there was obviously going to be some sort of you know fences to mend there in it with Kyle in the front office after dealing away Demar. 
Do you remember sort of what your thinking was at the time of the trade and how it was going to affect the relationship with Lowry? Were you ever concerned about that? Or by this time, you know, it's seven years in, were you kind of understanding that, you know, Kyle's going to figure this out. He probably realizes that this is his best shot now to win a title with Kawhi on the team and is going to make it work. Or were you worried that it could kind of, you know, explode the whole thing? No, I thought the front office were traitors. <laughs> I think I, like I've, you, you probably remember. And I feel like I, I do. Yeah. Record enough places from that time. And since that, like, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> uh, I thought it happened in like a really unfortunate way. You kind of promised, yeah. you'd promised Demar that he had a future with the franchise as long as he wanted it is my sense of things, you know? Mm-hmm. I think Larry bought into it and believed that too. I think Larry, I do wonder if Larry would have signed that extension knowing that Demar wasn't in his future, you know? Sure. Now I'm like, now it's fine. But like at that time, (laughs) not knowing, you know, I I don't think, I really don't know that he would have. Um, I think there was some damage vibes wise for Lowry. I remember like the, the, at the beginning of that season, like him and Kawhi having to build up a rapport. Yeah. Mostly professionally at first. I think like that was the inroads to it. Mm -hmm. But I think caught like, I think like October and November were not, great months it seemed like you know there was like a, a I think he was still really feeling missing his best friend and like yep. his best friend being kind of sold up river in this like terrible way so <laughs> yeah I don't know I think we we like to think oh it was like it worked it worked out right away but that team didn't really start picking up momentum I think until honestly I want to say January if not late December yeah, it was a weird year because they started off insanely well. They were 12 and 1 out of the gate. Uh, the only loss was to Milwaukee, who was also undefeated at the time they played. And they were just just wrecking teams in that early going. You have the big signature moments like the Kawhi Danny Green double block against Jason Tatum. Um, you had, you know, some other big ones in there. I think a big win over the Lakers on the road. Kyle has a big game there. And then, you know, they lose a few. And then there's this sort of like underlying tension with the team where, you know, Kawhi's missing games. He's sitting down. Um, you know, Lowry misses some time as well. He gets hurt in the middle of December and into early January, misses a good chunk of games. And it just kind of feels disjointed, right? Like it, there was these sort of dueling teams at play. It was Kawhi's team when he was in there. And then, it was like a very different team when it was just Kyle with the dudes and no, no Kawhi when he was resting or missing time. And, you know, it, I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing. They were winning tons of games regardless, but the fact that there seemed to be this kind of disconnect between the way Lowry wanted to play and the way Kawhi wanted to play did seem to kind of threaten things. And that's why I thought the move for Marcus Gasol was so freaking genius. He just kind of tied all the, all the bows together and it all kind of became this one beautiful moving machine but yeah you're right in that it was not like super happy-go-lucky at the time and I do wonder if this is sort of the period you know November December January before they make the deal for Gasol I wonder if you know when you hear the reports and the sort of you know veiled allusions to discord in the locker room this is probably when it was going on I would assume when Kawhi's missing a, a good chunk of time and you know, and Lowry misses time as well. And it's just really kind of out of whack. I think there is almost like a month there where they don't play in the same game at the same time, which is not what you want when you're trying to 
make good on a single season opportunity, really. Um, but of course, at things kind of coalesced down the stretch of the season. They make the trade for Gasol. They win a million games in a row. Um, they sort of walk into the playoffs pretty hot and healthy and everything. Do you remember your sort of belief in the team going into the postseason and sort of your re- recollection of how you felt about Lowry at the time? Because this was a very different Lowry season. He only averages 14 a game. Um, you know, he, I think, is second to league in assists at 8.7. So he totally adds that to his game as like the new thing that he cares about the most. I thought he had like a really, really great defensive season this year. It was a down shooting year for him. Like as far as offense goes, this is kind of the lowest point he gets in Toronto. What is your recollection of how you were feeling about the Lowry experience and how the team is sort of shaping up going into that postseason? I think that um, if anything, it signaled to me that like him taking that backseat, like I, like I phrased it like this a couple of times because it really does just seem to me like what he did, but mm-hmm. it's like handing the, handing someone like the keys to your car, you know, yeah. your beautifully detailed car that you have lovingly restored yourself you know and like you know all the weird little nicks and scratches of and like I don't know temperamental things and Mm -hmm. being like well here you go good luck because you recognize that like that's your vehicle to what you've always wanted you know Mm -hmm. that's the that's your one true pathway now better than ever Um, and you're gonna kind of give everything you have to that chance I think his taking a backseat oh good good pun not intentional Um, but in terms (laughs) of like <clears throat> leaning a little harder on assists again, just shows that more like, yeah, that that's how that actually ended up playing out on the floor. He became more of a conduit, you know, like he put, yeah. he was just, he p- set Kawhi up perfectly placement wise every single time they did end up playing together. And I'm glad you touched on the fact that there was that disconnect because I think at first, like it was a little worrying the fact that they didn't play either well together or together at all. So <laughs> the fact that they got past that point and then it just became like, okay, Kyle sees, sees the floor unfolding. He sees where Kawhi has to be and he just makes sure he's there and he'll go out of his way to do that. Marcus Gasol, as you mentioned, was a huge factor mm-hmm. in that. Also, I just think like chivalric vibes, you know, like sure. once Gasol gets in the locker room, things starting to gel a little bit better too because like you, Larry, Kawhi and Gasol, I think like these guys are pros, right? Like they're consummate pros. I think they're, as much as like, well, not Kawhi, but like the other two can get like hot-headed or, you know, pretty emotional in game. I think they realize the difference of like what stays on the floor and, you know, like what <clears throat> you have to like leave in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, getting into the postseason, they were oh, there very- is, Sorry, before we get to that, Katie, there is one element of the regular season I wanted to hit on. Um, okay. Which is, you know, I think it's maybe too easy to like look at the symbolism of this particular play and say, oh, that's where the season turned, but it kind of is. <laughs> and it really, the convenience of it all, you know, sometimes it's just, you have to accept that they're going to throw you this narrative stuff. You got to latch onto. And it was the Spurs game where DeMar's back for right. the first time and Kawhi and Lowry converged to strip DeMar on the final play. And Crushing. Kawhi scores the final bus. <laughs> like truly, like almost too cruel on the script writer's part to DeMar to have written mm-hmm. that in there. But mm-hmm. that I think really is kind of the moment where you can see it kind of click in. And this is at the tail end of a winning streak for them right around the deadline. I think it's the fourth game that Gasol's played with the team. And I think that's kind of where you see Kyle realize, oh, damn, this is my chance to win a title. And so maybe I let the reins go even more and just kind of 
you know, I'm okay to hand the keys over to this dude because this dude is legit. Um, so postseason, yeah. Where did you want to start with the postseason? Um, <clears throat> the the thing I remember the most about the postseason is how scared I was that Orlando was going to be Toronto. <laughs> Well, I guess the zero points for Kyle yeah. in game one didn't do much to help that. Like they came in healthy, but there was a real sickening feeling of deja vu, I have to say, <laughs> that I'm glad was pretty speedily cleared up because yeah. this, this team just, what they did was just get better through every single series and like adjusted and developed and kind of like evolved as they went, which again mm-hmm. is a thing I think good teams that win championships. Now I understand that's what they have to do. Mm-hmm. You can't stick with like plans that, that work like even a game before, let alone like a series before. Um, mm-hmm. And that I think also proves that the chemistry was really intact by then because so much of that stuff you have to trust is, is more intuitive, you know, and like based around communication yeah. and trust. Sure. Um, yeah, man, this, t- I don't know. We, I, we, I guess we talk about it all the time. I was like, we don't talk about it enough, but like this team is pretty magical, <laughs> right? Like this, this is all I talk about, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> if I have the opportunity, this is the only thing I want to discuss ever. It was a very <laughs> special team. Mm-hmm. It really was. Yeah. Like all the parts coming together. Uh, you rarely see something like that, especially into a one year window where you literally have to hit in that window win as big as you possibly can because it's fleeting and not going to last. It was kind of, it still remains kind of inexplainable to me that it all came together the way it did. It just Mm -hmm. was a perfect aligning of things. And yeah, we don't necessarily have to, you know, belabor the playoff run too much because we've talked about it a million times on this podcast before, but, you know, just to hit some of the notes for Kyle, I mean, he's pretty steady. I would say through the first couple of rounds, nothing spectacular per se, you know, a couple rough games against Philly, but still always kind of the barometer for when the team was good was when Kyle was out there kind of doing his thing. Um, you know, I, I think that was obviously a Kawhi series through and through. And you could even maybe sort of say Siakam was more of a main character in that series. And even like the bigs, like Gasol and Abaka, kind of figuring out that duo was going to be the way to beat Philly. Like those were more of the stories of that series. And Lowry mm-hmm. just kind of existed through it. But mm-hmm. You get into the conference finals and the finals, and he's his fingerprints are all over it all. I mean, game one against Milwaukee, still probably one of the best Lowry games I've ever seen played. You know, these 30 points, it seems like they're going to win. I think he was the only one to score in the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for the Raptors, which is messed up. Yeah, they scored 17 points, and I want to say he scored 15 of the 17, and Kawhi hit two free throws, and that was it that was as electric and like as sort of vanquishing of past playoff demons as I think you'll see from Lowry. You know, I obviously say for game six of the finals, but you know, in terms of those last two rounds where Lowry does kind of take a more central role in the team, do you have any sort of things that stand out other than just like the, the clear standout moments, you know, the, the getting the chance at the end of the conference finals, you know, moving Giannis out of the way with his ass for the Kawhi game six dunk. The, the 11 points out of the gate in game six? Like, is there anything beyond those sort of touchstone moments that we always talk about that kind of stands out from that back half of that playoff run where Larry really was central to the whole thing? I think he just really wanted it, right? You started yeah. to see him believing in it and being like, this is so close now. I will do mm-hmm. anything that it takes to get my team there. And I'm glad that we saw that more, especially because of what we talked about, like him having a more backseat season. The fact mm-hmm. that, he, you know, 
oh yeah, this is a Larry we know and love who can toss the team on his back, you know, down the stretch mm-hmm. and like just get things done. Um, I, I don't know. I like the fact that he played with an oven mitt for most of like the latter <laughs> half of the title run. You know, the mm-hmm. fact that his body was just like so banged up um, and that he just played through it. This mm-hmm. is just like, to me, like, I'll ne- like, I don't know. I love Kyle Lowry. He's like my favorite basketball player, obviously. But I think when people d- disparage him or yeah. say like, he's, he's difficult, he's like not a good teammate or like not a good like asset to any NBA team or like locker room or just like, yeah, anything. This is one of those, this is like a prime example of why that's all bullshit. <laughs> Because, yeah. because you like he so much of so much of the title was Lowry like in the background being the puppet master pulling the strings and then also when he needed to just like messily taking up center stage to to do things not for like credit you know yeah not to like have like the perfect beautiful game winning shot like Kawhi got <laughs> but just to because he recognized that there were things that need doing and he knew how to do them best. Yep. Uh, and I think it's kind of funny that one of the more telling games about the importance of Lowry is a game where he fouls out with like six minutes left. It's mm-hmm. game three against Milwaukee. And, you know, he's having a fine game. He's got like 11 points. He, he, you know, in foul trouble throughout the evening, of course. And I think this feeling of dread that I felt when he got that yes. sixth foul with six minutes to go is like the greatest summation of how much Kyle Lowry meant to the team and their chances of winning basketball games, even with arguably the best player in the world at the time on the floor for the Raptors. It felt like losing Lowry in that moment Mm -hmm. was about to cost them their season. And it takes like Herculean Fred Van Vliet playing center efforts to protect Danny green from foul trouble, like, and, and Marcus all from foul trouble, you know, takes that. And it, it just, that felt like such a Herculean effort for the team to win without Lowry that it kind of, like refreshed my confidence in what they could do with him. You know, did you Mm -hmm. have that too? Yeah. I felt extreme dread when that happened. And again, like that's just one of those things where it's like deja vu and like past demons really dying hard. And maybe that's our own fault in like Mm -hmm. not having the kind of unshakable faith that Larry had in the team. Um, But I remember how excruciating it was to look at his face when he realized he'd fouled out. Yeah. The look on his face. Cause I think he too was just like, Oh no. Right. Cause like what have anything I done? Can yeah. in a game like that, like anything mm-hmm. can happen. And I think he, the most disappointing thing was to look at him and realize he felt like he'd let his team down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was crushing stuff that obviously ended up uh, with a very, very happy ending. And then mm-hmm. he goes on, wins the title, has the game six for the ages um, you know, my favorite part of that game six is that Kawhi is kind of a bit part in that. And you have Siakam and Fred and Serge and Lowry, the dudes who had kind of been through it and lost the heartbreaking games, really being the ones breaking through. Um, you know, Pascal hits the game winning shot. Kyle has the crazy first quarter, finishes with 26 and 10. Just a perfect end to a season that I, I just, I don't know how you ever dream to replicate something like that. Even if the Raptors win another title down the line, I can't imagine it will have that much dramatic intrigue and satisfaction tied to it just because of all that came before. And 
Kyle winning it is the most satisfying thing about it all. And watching him lift that trophy after Surge rips it from the billionaires and gives it to Kyle, it's uh, it's the peak. <laughs> As like <laughs> when it comes to like why you're a sports fan, that's pretty much what you do it for, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the sort of dragon I'll be chasing for the rest of my sports watching days, I'm sure. Um, we can leave it there, Katie. We're going to continue on uh, tomorrow's podcast and talk about the rest of Kyle Lowry's time with the Raptors, mostly 2019-20, because that season absolutely rocked. Uh, but we'll finish it here for now. Katie, anything you want to promote for the people out there? Um, <coughs> sorry. <laughs> no. I don't think so. Um, I, wrote, I, I interviewed Becky Hammond this week, and we talked about, um, which I thought was a really cool conversation in general but we, we talked about what she would actually want about of coaching an nba team because so many sure. of those conversations are like what does the team want what's best for the team so i just mm-hmm. asked her what would you actually want um and i'll have a lot of uh, summer league raptor summer league content coming for yahoo sports canada so you can look out for that too fantastic uh you can of course find me on twitter at woodley sean go subscribe to the locked on raptors youtube page right now uh the link to it is in my pinned tweet you can go subscribe and be ready you'll be there among the first people to see the interview with myself and leonard hamilton head coach of florida state and scotty barnes this past season uh on monday so go get yourself signed up over there and get ready for the youtube experience uh we'll be back again tomorrow as promised we'll talk about the summer league game a little bit and we'll finish off kyle lowry week on Friday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 